I want to start off this morning with a question for you. Have you ever had a task that was so big that when you started it, you thought it's impossible and you wanted to give up? How many of you had that happen? Some of your hands went up fast. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right? You look at it and you start it and you think, oh, forget it. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to attempt it. I think we've all had this at some point, right? You get something and you think, this is too big. I can't do it. Uh, I was trying to think of the best example in my life when I've, I've come up against that. And I think probably one of the best is when about six years ago, seven years ago, uh, we were approached uh, with the building in Belmont. And if you're new with us, you, you may not know we, we are one church. We have two locations, one here in Burlington and one in Belmont. We've been in Burlington since 1985. But Belmont, we just started a few years ago and we were offered the opportunity to have this building in Belmont if we would put a church and a congregation there. And so we walked through it for the first time and the building was built in 1896 and I think that might have been the last time it was renovated or anyone had touched it because we walked through it for the first time and I looked at that task and I thought no way like this is great but it had like uh well it had, you know, it had what looked used to be a kitchen with like eight non-usable refrigerators in it that someone had dumped there. There was coal in there from when it was heated with coal that had to be shoveled out. Uh, I was in there with Edgar one time, Edgar Bartlett. I don't know if he's in here, but uh, I was in there with Edgar one time and he, he walked up and he said, Pastor, those bathrooms... He said, they're worse than an outhouse. You're not going to get anyone to come if you don't do something about those bathrooms. And now, uh, six years later, it's a beautiful building. There's a congregation worshiping there right now. I did a wedding there yesterday, and the bathrooms are beautiful, um, and there's no coal in it, and that's wonderful. And um, Carol's, it is exciting, Carol, but that was, my point was, that was not really my main point. My point was that sometimes you have tasks that are so overwhelming that you just think there's no way we can get them done. And you're tempted, and I was tempted with Belmont to just say, this is too big. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. And if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus, then you may know we've been given a task that very, on the surface, very easily could be seen as too big. We're not going to be able to do it. And it can be easily uh, something that we might throw our hands up and just try to shut it all out because we can't do it and we can't accomplish it. And I want to talk to you about that this morning as we finish up our global outreach this week. This is our uh, last week of global outreach. We're talking about that this week. And if you're a guest, you came on a great Sunday because you get to hear about and know about the heart of us, not only at Mount Hope, but really as Christians and followers of Jesus, of what our heart is. And that is that everyone would get the chance to hear about this message of hope that there is in Jesus Christ. So Christians have been given this task by Jesus. Jesus, when he was here on earth, uh, he went to the cross, he died, he was resurrected. And then after the resurrection, there was about 40 days where he was on earth and teaching his followers before he ascended into heaven where he is now. And during those 40 days, he gave his followers some instructions. One of those instructions we call the Great 
Commission. We call it great because it is great and it's hard. We don't call it the anyone can do it commission. We don't call it the no problem commission. It is the great commission. And here it is, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus said to his followers, and I believe still says it to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, say that with me, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. All nations. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. And he's talking to a little group of people in Jerusalem. And I mean, the world is big to them. They've never probably left their hometown. Many of them, certainly many of them have never left their, the small nation that they're a part of. And Jesus said, here's what you're going to do. Go make followers, make disciples in all the nations in the earth. And you had to think that that task must have seemed so overwhelming to them. I mean, they'd never, most of them never left their own hometown. And what, we're just a little group of people? I mean, they've heard of places, maybe like Rome, because that's where Caesar was. But most of the places in the world, they never even heard of. And, and there were so many people they didn't even know. And Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. And it must have seemed huge to them. And it seems huge to me, too. I, I don't know if it still seems huge to you. Even 2,000 years later, it seems like almost an impossible task. I remember when I was growing up in church and actually sitting in the seats that you're sitting in and we would have missionaries come and speak and usually they'd get the Sunday night service and they would come on Sunday night. Anyone remember missionaries coming on Sunday nights? You grew up in church, missionaries came on Sunday nights? Yeah. They come on Sunday nights and they would show the slides of where they were from. And I don't mean PowerPoint slides. I mean literal slides. How many of you know what a slide is that's not a PowerPoint slide? Yeah, any of you under 40 have no idea what I'm talking about. It's a little, I don't even know how to describe it to you because you don't have anything like it. It's like a little picture of something that's translucent that you project the light through and it shows the picture on the wall. And we had these projectors where these slides were in round carousels. And you remember the sound it would make? Right? Right? Next slide, play, and this is me eating in Africa, right? And then it would always get stuck. And it'd be like, well, let me just describe it for you. And, and this, I grew up with these Sunday night services, and I would hear these people come, and I thought, this is, like, this is way out there, way far. This is so far away. This task is so big, it's never going to get done. I, I can't even imagine the stuff you're showing me. And now, even later, as I'm older and the world has evolved, in many ways we have a greater knowledge of the world, but in many ways the task seems even bigger. Because now I have more knowledge of how big the world is, and now I have more knowledge of all the nooks and crannies that people actually live on this sphere, on this globe, on this earth. Right? Because even though I can get on a plane and jet to the other side of the world within a day or so, or you can get on FaceTime and you can talk to someone in another country and they're right there. But now I know about that there are people that live in mountains and there are people that live in, in small little places in this world. I'm thinking, how are they going to, how are you going to make disciples of all nations? 
Because some of them seem so far away, and it's not just geographic boundaries. There's political boundaries. There's ethical, uh, ethnic boundaries. There's racial boundaries. There's all these things. There's tribal boundaries that are so hard to get past. And yet Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. And some of us can see that, and we say, just, our eyes just gloss over. Like, how are you ever going to do that? And so we shut it all out. And maybe that's you. Maybe when people like Matt and Marissa walk across up here, you're like, oh, you know, this part of you is like, I'm glad, you know, that's great for them. But part of you is like, it's too big a task. Like, it's never going to get done. You know, we bring up global outreach partners pretty often here at Mount Hope. And, you know, we say, you know, this is who we are. This is what we're about at Mount Hope. And maybe at first you're like, ah, oh, that's great. I can't wait to hear them. But there's a part of you that kind of just shuts down. Like, all right, let's get this over with and get on to the next thing in the service. Now, you wouldn't admit that to me. But I wonder if sometimes we feel that way and the task seems so big and so hard. We just kind of shut it all out. Well, that's someone else's responsibility. But here's the thing. God doesn't leave that option open to us to shut it all out. We, be, we might be tempted, since we can't take it all on, since we can't get it done ourselves, we're tempted to shut it all out. And yet God doesn't leave that option open. You can't, you, there's no exception to the Great Commission. There's no except Dave and Duncan. Or, or insert your name there. There's no exception. God didn't leave it open to us to leave that out. So how do we get it done? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me talk about that very quickly this morning in this way. The, point, the thing we have to know is what's your job and what is not your job. And I want to talk about that in the last few minutes we have with three different titles. Here's the title. When it comes to making disciples of all nations, there's work we all do. There's work some of us do. And then there's work the rest of us do. Right? There's work we all do. There's work only some of us do. And then there's work the rest of us do. And I want to talk about those three things for the next few minutes together. Let me start with the work we all do. And it actually has to do with that verse I already read. Make disciples of all nations. That goes to everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then you are included in that. Go therefore and make disciples. And I've talked about that verse before. Well, let me give you a quick refresher to let you know. The governing verb in that passage is make disciples. That's the, that's the action word. That's the governing verb. Go and make disciples. Everything else, it is a participle. Uh, and so go is actually a participle going. It could be translated in your going, make disciples, which is applicable to all of us because you're all going someplace. Everybody's going someplace. It says, in your going, while you are going, where? Well, anywhere. You're going to the market. You're going to school. You're going, you know, wherever you're in your going, have this in your mind. Have this in your heart. Always be making disciples. What's that look like? Well, if I'm around other Christians, that looks like encouraging one another on in your walk with Jesus. If I'm around someone who's not a Christian, that looks like talking to them about Jesus. And telling them about Jesus. I'm making disciples. Wherever I go, I need to have that in my mind. Or the way I, it's helpful for me to think of it is OTW. Anyone else use OTW? Am I the only one that uses OTW in my texts to my family? What does OTW mean? 
On the way. I love on the way. I love when something is on the way. I hate going out of my, my, my family. If you ever talk to my, I mean, my, like my sisters, we joke because we all love on the way. I mean, we're, if something's on the way, we're stopping. It's on the way. And we're only stopping if it's on the way. If it's not on the way, we're not stopping. I plan my trip. You know, I got to do like five different stops. I'm like, oh, that's on the way. We'll just stop there, there, there. And if you're on the way, I'll pick you up. Why would you need two cars? You're on the way. Pick you up. I love, everything's got to be on the way. I'm going to a party. I'm thinking, okay, there's a CVS, there's a Target party on the way. I got everything I need. And essentially, Jesus is saying, while you're on the way, there are people who are in your way, and go make disciples of them. Go make disciples. It's not hard. And it's given to all of us. This is the work we all do. While you're on your way, make disciples. And so, when you're in the park, and your kids are playing, and you're on a play date with someone else, and they're there, sitting on the bench, make disciples. And when you're on the sales floor and uh, you're working with a customer and look for opportunities and make disciples. When you're in that business meeting around that table and there's a break for lunch and you're talking to people, think about making disciples. When you're in the hospital, in the laboratory, in the neighborhood, in your home, in your school classroom, make disciples. All of us are given that criteria. All of us are given it. And it looks different for all of us. I love how it looked. Uh, one story I heard, Don Butera was here last month, and uh, many of you heard Don, and Don told me a story that morning before he came to preach that I t- asked him, I said, hey, would you share that with the church when you're preaching this morning? And Don gets all passionate and excited that he completely forgot to share the story with you that I asked him to share with you. And that's okay, because Don's all, if you were here, he's passionate, he's excited, I love Don. But that means I get to share Don's story. So, so here's a story he told me. Here's a good story of on the way. He had a guy who came to Jesus, a young man who came to Jesus, and he was baptizing him. And so the guy wanted to be baptized in the ocean. So Don said, okay, we'll baptize. He's, Indonesia. He's in Indonesia. That's where Don's a missionary. He's in Indonesia. And uh, he says, okay, we'll baptize you in the ocean. And, cup, and one of his friends came, one of these this young man's friends came, and, and uh, so who wasn't a believer, who didn't know Jesus, but came to, you know, see this and support this. And, and Don goes up to the ocean, and it's like seven-foot waves, he says that day. He, a lot of times they do baptisms in pools because the water can be crazy there. Uh, and, but the guy wanted to be baptized in the ocean. So Don says, okay, we're going to say everything on the beach. We're going to talk here. We're going to run into the ocean. And the big, when the wave comes, we're just both going under. We're coming up. You're baptized. That's how we're doing it. And that's what they did. And actually, there's a picture here. And you can see the young man's in the purple shorts on the right. And so the baptisms, in, he, like I said, Don does them in pools. But this guy on the right wanted the beach in the ocean. And so Don baptizes him in the ocean in Indonesia. And then after that, they go to lunch. And when they're at lunch, they're talking. And this young lady is there. And they're talking to her about Jesus because they're on the way and she's in the way. And they start talking, keep that picture up, please. And they're talking about Jesus. And as they're talking about Jesus, she says, I want this in my life. I want to know Jesus. And Don tells her about Jesus and and they pray with her and she gives her heart to the Lord right there. And well, why can't I be baptized? And so there's a pool at the restaurant. And in the top left picture, 
This is Don baptizing the young lady at the pool in the restaurant after lunch who just gave her heart to Jesus because there was a pool and there was water there. And that... That is on the way. So I don't know where you're going to lunch this afternoon, but if they have a fountain, <laughs> God may have you do some work. God may you have, but I love that because they weren't going to, you know, to, to baptize this, this young lady, or, but it was on the way and she was in the way. And God had his way. I wish I thought of that earlier. That works. Sometimes it just comes out like that. Um, and so that's a great example of being, uh, of just on the way. And that's, and that's what happens. That's what God calls you to. And that's what God calls us to. And all of us are called to that. That's the work that all of us have to do. But then there's work some of us do. There's work that some of us do. And I want to talk to you about work some of us do. Because uh, some of us are then called beyond just more than on the way. You're called to go to a specific destination. And let's look at a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 13. I'm going to read a couple verses for you. Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3. And here's what's happening. They're in a city of Antioch, first century after Jesus ascended. They're in a city of Antioch and they're in a worship service, kind of like this this morning. Bunch of people gathered, worshiping God, loving God. Bunch of people there. We don't know all their names. We know a few of their names. We definitely know two of their names. Saul and Barnabas. And here's what it says. While they were worshiping, who's they? That's the church. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Say that with me. Sent them off. So the work that some of us do. Who was sent Paul and Bar- uh, Paul, Saul, his name was Saul then, but it becomes Paul. Saul and Barnabas are sent. Which means there's a lot of people at Antioch that are worshiping that aren't sent. But some of them were sent. Some of them were called to go. Two of them, Barnabas and Saul, they were called to go. And this is the work that some of us do. Some people are called and you got to get, and you're going from one destination, you're going to go someplace else to let people know about Jesus who don't know about Jesus and don't know anyone who knows Jesus. And so someone has to go and tell them. It's a little bit like most of us are on like an Amtrak train. Like I, I went a couple of years ago to Washington, D.C., and I took the train. because I thought this will be fun. I'll take a train down to Washington, D.C. And it was fun for a little while. And... <laughs> It's nice. It's nice, romantic. It's great. You're on there for a little while. Yeah. After a while, it gets kind of old. Um, train tracks don't run through very scenic places. I'm not sure if you know that. But anyways, the, uh, I'm on this train. I'm on the Amtrak between uh, Boston and Washington, D.C. And I'm on a regular Amtrak train. You know what a regular Amtrak train does between Washington and Washington, D.C. and Boston? It stops at every single city on the way. We stop at Penn Station, we stop at uh, Philadelphia, we stop, I don't know, I don't know how many places we stop, but a lot of places before we got to D.C. And that's what most of our lives are like. You're going through life and you're going to have a lot of stops. You're going to stop at places on the way and God's going to give you an opportunity to make disciples. But then on the way back from Washington, D.C., I took the Acela and I went straight from D.C. to Boston. No stops. Just had my destination and had to get there. And then some people, God puts you on in a cellar. And no stops. He's just going to take you from one place to another place. And he has a job for you there. 
to share the gospel. Not everyone's called to do that. Not everyone gets their ticket punched for the cell. But there are some who God says, you know what, there's people in this part of the world, this nation, who don't know about me, and I want to take you, Don Butera, out of Rhode Island and send you to Indonesia so that you can baptize a lady in a restaurant in an afternoon at lunch. I'm going to take you, those of you that were here last week, Rob Malcolm, and take you out of Scotland and send you to Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, so that you can share the gospel there. God sends some people, he takes some people, and he says, set them apart for me. And that happens still today. Happens in our church. When God takes a Jenny Falcon and says, I want you to go. When God takes a Tom Harvey, says, I want you to go. When God takes a John Butler, Carol, I see you there. I remember John, John and Irene, and, and God sent them to Zaire. When I was a kid in this church, God called them. John was very helpful in redoing this building when we moved in in 85, and God used him as a missionary in Africa. I remember John, this morning reminded me of, of John quite a bit, Carol's son, John, because um, we used to sing that song, I Exalt Thee. Some of you remember that. I, some of you young kids are like, wow, this is a new song. Why are we saying these and thous? You know, these, where did these and thous come from? We used to all read the King James Version and these and thous were very common. Um, but uh, we sang those these and thou. We used to sing that song a lot when I was a kid. And every time we sang it, and if John was in church, I'll never forget as a little kid, maybe 10, 11 years old in this church, and we would sing, I exalt thee. And John would scream out at the top of his lungs, you are holy. And that, I thought that was a line in the song because John would sing it every time. But that reminded me this morning of him. And God called him out of this church. And he said, you're going to go to the mission field. And some of us have that work. And some of you sitting here, God's working on your heart. God's saying, you got to go. You got to go. I want to punch your ticket. I want to get you to go someplace else. Take the gospel there. That's the work that some of us do. What about the work that the rest of us do? Well, the rest of us, quite simply, are called to support the some of us that go. The rest of us, if you're not called to be part of the some of us that are going, then we're called to support those who go. Quite honestly, the people that go, the Don Buteras, the uh, Matt and Marissa, the others that go, they have to eat and live indoors, and that costs money. And so we support them so they can go. Let me give you another scripture this morning. Paul, after Paul was sent out by this church in Antioch, he was sent out and he went to different cities to take this gospel, and one of those cities was a city called Corinth. In Greece. And he went to take the gospel there. So how does he, how does Paul in the first century go and bring this message of hope to another place that doesn't know Jesus? How can he afford to do that? Well, they had that same question too. In fact, there were some people in Corinth who were trying to undercut Paul's ministry by saying this. You can't trust what Paul says because he's saying it for free. They were trying to undercut his credibility by saying, if you don't have to pay to hear him, 
then what he's saying must not be valuable. Or what he's saying is pretty much worth what you're paying for it. And they were trying to undercut, undercut his credibility. And, and that was actually one of the signs of credibility in that day. The, the, the elocutionists and the people that would go around and speak. They would get paid to speak. And so that would be a sign of credibility. They're so good, you got to pay to hear them speak. You may think that's silly, but we do the same thing today. Who gets listened to more? The guy shouting on the street corner for free? Or the guy charging $100, $1,000, or $10,000 a ticket on a stage? We think the person that has get paid to speak has something more valuable to say. Because people are paying to hear them say it. Same thing in Paul's day. So his ministry was being undercut, so he had to give an explanation. So here's the explanation he gave to Corinth in a letter to the Corinthians. He said, I robbed, say that with me, I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way as the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. So here's what Paul says. How was I able to do it? How am I able to come to you and you don't have to pay me and you can hear this message for free? Because I robbed these other churches in Macedonia and they are supplying mine. Actually, Macedonia was a much poorer area than Corinth, by the way. So these poorer people, I robbed them and they are paying to support me so I can preach to you. Now, I ought to clarify that a little because some of you, this may be your first day in church. Paul is speaking a little tongue-in-cheek here. He did not literally rob churches in Macedonia. He did not go in and steal money from people in Macedonia in order to preach in Corinth. Please don't get the wrong idea and think pastor just told us to go rob other people in order to preach the gospel. But here's what he's saying. I took their money and they didn't get any benefit from it. So he uses the metaphor of robbing them. I received funding from them, but they're not getting any return directly on the investment. And so in a sense, I robbed them in order that I can come to you. Now, he didn't forcefully take their money. They willingly, another way to put it, and more accurate might be, they robbed themselves so that I can come here and speak to you and bring this message of hope. It's how it happened in Paul's day. It's still how it happens today. See, people that don't know Jesus aren't going to be willing to pay someone to tell them about Jesus. So how does it happen? The rest of us who aren't sent out support those who go. So Aaron and Jesse Sipley, who are Youth with a Mission missionaries here in Boston, robbed the people in Pittsburgh, which I'm comfortable with that. I'm fine <laughs> Pittsburgh. They rob, because they're from Pittsburgh, they rob family members and friends in Pittsburgh so they can come and bring the gospel to Boston. And Matt and Marissa are going to rob people in Florida and willingly in Massachusetts in the Northeast so that they can go and take the gospel to Greece. And this is how it goes on. That I will 
rob myself and you will too so that others can go and be a part of the work that's doing. Because this work that all of us do, this work that some of us do, and then this work the rest of us do. And we do this with our partners around the world. Let me tell you about one of them. His name's Paul. Paul T, we call him. It's not really his name, but that's what we call him. Um, and he, Paul came to Christ in the early 1970s. He was 19 years old. And when he came to God, uh, God called him to full-time ministry almost right away. He was part of the sum of us that were called the full-time ministry. And he started sharing the gospel and the good news uh, with the Muslim people in the country, in his home country uh, around him, which I won't tell you because his wife continues that work and it would put her in danger. So I'm not going to share that with you. But he started this work in this country. And he started to share the gospel with these Muslims. And it became difficult in the 1980s on him and others. And many of his friends and many of the people he worked with were arrested. And Paul had to flee the country. And he fled to New Zealand. He fled. Fleed. He fled to New Zealand. And he also came to Boston eventually. And when he was in Boston, he met some other Christians who listened to him and heard about his ministry and said, when God allows you to go back, we want to support you in the ministry that God has called you to. And some of those people are now a part of Mount Hope and have helped us as a church to support Paul's ministry for the last several years. Paul secretly printed and distributed Bibles, tracts, booklets in his native language for reaching Muslims. The Bibles were hidden and stored in his apartment and he and his family would have been in great danger had they ever been discovered. He engaged Muslim individuals one-on-one to tell them about Jesus. He discipled new followers of Jesus in home-based groups through the country, uh, throughout prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. Later in life, he persevered through an illness that left him unable to walk, but even this Paul used as a tool to spread the gospel because when authorities would come up to him, They would see his disability. The police would see it and think, well, it's just a harmless old man in a wheelchair. And God used this harmless old man in a wheelchair to continue to spread his message of hope. Paul did this. Last July, 2019, Paul died and went home to be with Jesus. But his widow continues the work in this country to spread this message of good news. And you as you give to Global Outreach here at Mount Hope, are a part of that story because you have robbed yourself so that others may go and preach and teach and tell those who don't know anyone who knows Jesus about Jesus. And this is how the work gets done. This is how all nations are reached because there's work all of us do. There's work some of us do. And then there's the work that the rest of us do. And so my question for you this morning is, which part of your life will you rob to empower others to go and do what they are called to do? I'm grateful at Mount Hope that this has always been a part of who we are, giving and supporting those who go. Last year, we were able to give $138,000 to Global Outreach. 41, did you, I, you just told me, Chilon, I forgot, 41. 41 Global Outreach partners around the world 
and we were able to give $138,000 to them. That is up over 115. That is the previous year it was $115,000. This past year it was $138,000 able to send out. And what is that additional funds able to? help us do. We're able to say yes to partners when they come. Partners like Matt and Marissa that come and say, hey, this is our vision. This is our plan. Are you guys able to partner with us? When we have additional funds, we're able to take them on. We're able to up and raise our support because those on the field, your cost of living increases, their cost of living increases. We want to give them increases and help them to sustain and stay on the field from year to year. But then also we get some that contact us just this past week or two weeks ago. I had one of our partners uh, contact us, one of our partners over in India, and sent me a message saying, hey, uh, we have this opportunity for this, uh, to be able to expand our ministry and do this great, unique ministry opportunity, and Mount Hope has been a partnering church with us, and you guys have been so good in supporting us. Would you be able to send an extra gift to be able to get this thing off the ground? Would you invest in this? And when we have additional funds, we're able to say, yes, we'll send it, we'll help, we'll give to projects that God is doing, and so we've been able to do that this past year, and that has been a huge blessing. I'm gonna ask you to take out that card that you received when you come in, that Connect card, and I'll ask our music ministry to return as we kind of close out things and this morning and ask you to consider, as I mentioned last week, uh, what God would have us do. You don't have to save the whole world, that's God's job, but you do have a job to do, and here's the job you have to do. Share the gospel with those you know and partner with others to reach those you don't and insert that apostrophe in your own mind where that belongs. Uh, share the gospel with those you know. Partner with others to reach those you don't. That's the work. That's the mission. Share the gospel with those who are on the way and in your way. Because you got people, you're on the way and people are in your way. And so share the gospel with those who you know, but partner with others to reach those you don't. So here's how I want you this morning us to respond. Two, two ways. First of all, on the back of that card, it says sermon notes in that blank space. I want you to think about who's on the way, who's on your way in your life. Who has God providentially put in your way that he may want to reach through you? Because I don't believe it's an accident. You work where you work and you live where you live. I believe God providentially put you in that place. I don't live there. People sitting beside you aren't there. You're there. God has you there. And he's got the people that are in your way there for a purpose. And he wants to use you to make disciples. And I, I want you to think about and pray about what's the name God would have you write on this card of someone that needs to hear about this good news of Jesus Christ that doesn't know it already. And you're going to put this name down in faith that if God opens the door and as God opens the door that you are going to speak with them about Jesus. And it may be someone in your life you're thinking there's no way they'll ever respond. There's no way they'll ever listen. God can open the door for that. God knows their need. God loves them. God created them. God knows them more than you do. And just God may be using you to reach them. God can reach anybody. He can reach Saul who persecuted Christians. I don't know. I'll tell you what. Some of you even follow in this story. I don't know if Kanye West is really a follower of Jesus. I don't know. God knows. And time will tell and the fruit will tell. I don't know. 
But I know that God is able to reach someone like Kanye West or Saul or anyone. I know that they are not beyond God's reach. And neither is anyone in your life. Neither is anyone you know. God can open the door. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. It's God who saves. All you got to ask is, as you're on your way, who's in the way? That God wants to touch. That God wants to reach. That God wants to minister to. And he's going to use you to do it. So the first part of the response this morning is the top of that card. I want you to write down a name. Who's that name? Maybe you got a couple. As you're on your way, who's in the way that God wants to use you to reach out to? Because you and I are called to share the gospel with those we know. Then the bottom of that card or that faith promise part, partner with those to reach those you don't. So this time of year, this service, one time a year, we make these commitments. If you're here and you're visiting today, it's a great Sunday to be here. You hear about our heart. Once a year, we make these commitments to be able to support our global outreach partners around the world, and that's today. And we talk about giving, praying, and going. You check off praying. You, we'll help get in contact with you so you can pray for our global outreach partners. We'll give you names. Our, our team will contact you so you can be praying for people like Paul, people like Don, others of our partners. You can support them in prayer. If going... We're going to do some local outreaches, some things right around here. And if you have a heart to be a part of those, then check that box. Put your name on that. We'll contact you and help connect you with our teams. If God is calling you to be part of these some of us who are called out from us to go to another place, he's punching your ticket for that Acela train to another destination, then let us know and we will do our best to help you get on that train to go where God is calling you to go. We also have some short-term international trips that you'll hear more about and you can be a part of those too. But giving, partner with others to reach those you don't know. This is a big day for us. This is a big day for our 41 global outreach partners around the world. What we do in this moment, many of them are depending on to be able to stay where God has called them to stay. And so the question is, what will you rob yourself of so that others can take this message to places that do not have someone who knows Jesus to tell them about Jesus. What will you rob yourself of in your life? So that you, I'm not asking you to say what's extra, what's left, what can I afford? I'm asking you to think about a faith promise. What will you sacrificially rob yourself of so that others can hear? Just like Paul says, I robbed the churches of Macedonia so that you could hear. I'm asking you to honestly ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. To ask, what would God want to do through you in this moment? Because we all have a number that we think, yeah, I could do this and it's not going to hurt. We all have that number. But what does God want to do through you? What will God say, if you'll allow me, I want to do something through you so that others can hear I'd ask you to prayerfully consider that. And so our response this morning, that bottom part of the card is perforated. It's important for us to know that. Literally our support that we send out and that we commit to these people around the world is based on these cards that get put in these baskets. We don't call you. We don't follow up. We don't send a letter. We're trusting you to trust the Lord for what's put on these cards. 
and that's what we will commit to sending out to partners around the world the next 12 months from November to next October. So even if you are keeping a commitment that you are renewing a commitment, you're keeping the same one from last year, please let us know. We do not make that assumption that you are just uh, going to continue the same commitment into the next year. So please let us know that you're renewing and keeping it and that will help us. We have partners like Matt and Marissa and other people that we're considering that are on the list and that we want to be able to give them an answer to say yes. To say we want to support what you're doing. We want to do hold the ropes for you while you go and do the work of the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for this privilege of being a part of your mission. Thank you for the work that you give to all of us. For those that are a part of us that have gone out and that obey that call to go, we're grateful. Pray that, Lord, you would help us to support them so that they would just be able to focus on the work that you've given them. I thank you for being a part of this church, the generosity throughout the years that the gospel may go forth, that others may hear what we hear. And so, Lord, speak to us now. Help us to hear from you what you want to do through us this year. In Jesus' name, amen.